Whew, we are back after a day off, unexpected day off here at the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. We are back and ready to roll. I'm your host, Kyle Lamb. Thanks for coming back, being with me again today on Locked On Buckeyes. Did Clemson have an advantage with Ohio State's numerous players out on the award circuit? I'll explain my take on that opinion that has been circulating around Buckeye Nation. Also, early signing day is mostly behind us with the one exception coming up today. I'll talk about the Buckeyes class, why you should be excited, and also a big pet peeve of mine that I'm hearing from opposing fans. I'll explain that. And Ohio State-Kentucky basketball, big showdown, number five versus number six, coming up Saturday in the CBS Sports Classic out in Las Vegas. I'll preview that showdown. Lockdown Buckeyes podcast is brought to you by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye, licensed in 33 states, and more on the way. Check them out at jfqlending.com. Locked on Buckeyes podcast, your only daily Ohio State football and basketball fix, usually. Check us out on your favorite podcasting platform. Make sure you spread the word with all your friends and family. We're on all of your favorite platforms, including Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply by saying, play Locked on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Check me out on Twitter at KYLAM8 and check out the show at Locked on Buckeye. Thanks for having me back again from the unplanned and unintentional absence on Wednesday. We're back again, ready to rock today here on Locked on Buckeyes. So listen, I saw an interesting thing come up on Twitter a couple of times over the course of the last several days, kind of dating back a little bit to a concern people have going back to last week as far as all of the traveling that some of the players for Ohio State are having because of the award circuit. This is an interesting conversation. It's not the first time this has come up. And let me preface my comments by saying, I believe that there is a little bit of valid concern to this in that we have heard Heisman Trophy winners talk about getting fat off the land, so to speak. Troy Smith, this was a big thing with his Heisman run in uh, 2006. We saw him go around making all these appearances on the award circuit, winning the Heisman Trophy. He has since said that he probably was worn down and uh, maybe lived the high life a little too much leading up to that national championship game against Florida. And it's not just Heisman winners, whether you're winning the award or not, you're out traveling the country, going to the award circuit. If you're being nominated, you're there in person as well. There might be a slight difference in that the Heisman Trophy winners are probably getting those extra VIP parties afterwards and the partying and um, you know, some of the glamour that goes through winning probably puts them through a little extra than the people not winning. But there's certainly something to be said for the traveling. It can wear guys down. Chase Young even said that it was getting a little tiresome, but he was trying to conserve himself and maximize maximize his time and be as efficient as possible studying for the Clemson game and trying to prepare the best he can when he when he was on the road. But one thing I heard in conjunction with all of this, is some concern that Clemson has an advantage because Trevor Lawrence and some of their star players have not been on the award circuit very much. And 
they were all back getting ready for Ohio State. I thought this would be a good good subject for the podcast today because I want to set the record straight. I do not believe as far as pre- preparation is concerned that Clemson has an advantage over Ohio State. The reason being is because the NCAA actually stipulates the amount of time that you have to practice between your last game, in this case, the conference championships for both Ohio, Ohio State and Clemson, and your bowl game. Now, it's one myth that is out there is that teams have 15 practices during bowl seasons. That's actually not true. I'm not sure where that came from. It's not technically the number of practices that are limited, but it's the number of practice hours that you can have during during a week. So for every week that you're practicing for a bowl, you actually get 20 hours of practice time. So Ohio State and Clemson both would have 20 hours each of the past three weeks leading up to the December 28th Saturday game out there in Arizona. Within those 20 hours, you're also limited to four hours per day. So you could spread your 20 hours out in five days of four-hour practices or seven days of just under three hours a piece or six with about three and a half hours a piece. You can do it however you like. You can do seven days of three hours, seven days of two hours. It doesn't really matter how you do it, but you're limited to 20 hours. So for Ohio State, really, last week, with all the awards they were, they were on, I can tell you this. I know from hearing Ryan Day speak of this, and what I've been told is I know Ohio State was not worried about the preparation anyhow. Some coaches will tell you you can prepare too much during bowl practice. For Ohio State, a team that is coming off three grueling physical games against top 10 teams, Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin in consecutive weeks. For Ohio State last week during some of these awards, they were trying to get healthy. They were treating it as a bye week, which means they did not do a lot of contact. They they probably practice less than in most weeks. So for them, I think this time off actually gave them a chance to regroup both physically and mentally, and they were more worried about than preparation. I promise you, the coaches are still preparing. They didn't take time off. They were still breaking down video from probably 6 a.m. until 11 p.m. at night. I promise you, coaches were getting ready for Clemson. They're preparing for any possible tendency they can find for trick plays. They're looking at formations, specific plays, tells, you name it, they're trying to dissect it. So as far as the uh, strategy goes, as far as the strategy is concerned, Ohio State is not losing any preparation for Clemson. As far as getting the players ready, they're more concerned with rest and relaxation last week. Now this week, they're treating it as game week, even though we're still a week away. The reason being, Ryan Day's philosophy here is get ready this week and then go another easy week of practice next week where guys are healed up and physically ready. And with all the stuff that goes on, especially in, in bowl weeks, you're doing all the events, the team, the team stuff, the fun, uh, the events that you have with your team. All of that factors in. So they want to go light next week. So this current week right now is when Ohio State is going full go, a normal practice week, and then next week they'll still continue to go 
go with their walkthroughs and prepare for what Clemson might do in the game, but they're going to cut it down a little bit. So all this to say, I understand the concern about Clemson preparing for Ohio State, but I promise you they have no advantage right now. Ohio State is getting ready for them just as much as Clemson is getting ready for Ohio State. There's no advantage. Both teams are going into this looking, going in full bore, ready to rock when December 28th comes. So the rule is 20 hours per week, up to four hours per day. Ohio State getting it done as we speak, going into Clemson. Coming up next, early signing period has come and gone, at least day number one of early signing period. My biggest pet peeve about recruiting fans trying to rationalize the success of other programs. I'll explain coming up. Opponents, opposing coaches, opposing fans of the Ohio State University should be bitterly disappointed today as Ohio State brought in its first recruiting class, full recruiting class, under new coach Ryan Day. And I have news for you. I'm sorry to report. It was indeed another top five recruiting class. It was almost a perfect class. There are still a few blemishes. First and foremost, Ohio State is waiting for Wednesday or waiting for Thursday when Clark Phillips, the defensive back out of California, will make his announcement. He's going to choose between Ohio State and Utah. And after being committed for a long, long time, he is taking the news of Jeff Halfley's departure to Boston College a little bit personal. And there is some concern that he's going to commit to Utah. We'll see what happens there. That would be a very, very big disappointment for Ohio State because he really is the one true difference-making corner that they have in that class. And they're already thin at the position as far as numbers are concerned. So that is maybe the one blemish. Cam Martinez, an athlete from the state up north, he is going to delay his decision. He's had Northwestern come at him, want him to be a feature receiver in their offense. He's going to put things on hold a little bit and see how things go over the next couple of months. And he will sign in the late signing period in February. So Cam Martinez is an iffy. Uh, Clark Phillips will find out on Thursday if he's going to commit to Ohio State or not. But other than that, the recruiting class, as I mentioned, a top five class, it's number three right now in the consensus recruiting rankings. It's as good as a class as you could hope for as an Ohio State fan. Probably the only other thing missing is that big-time running back, Bijan Robinson, did in fact sign with uh, Texas on Wednesday. They still have Mayan Williams in this class, who I think is going to be a really, really good running back. It's a good class from top to bottom. There's a lot of skill. There's a lot of talent on both sides of the ball up front. Good front seven. Extremely talented secondary players coming in. From top to bottom, it's one of the better classes we've seen at Ohio State in many years. And that's saying a lot because there have been a lot of really good classes. But the cherry on top Wednesday was the commitment of C.J. Stroud, quarterback out of Rancho Cucamonga, California. And you know I was talking about Stroud, so I'm not going to go over this again because you know I'm really, really high on Stroud. And just as an aside... I want to clear up because I know I had a couple people ask me about this. I'm not counting out Jack Miller. I think Jack Miller has a chance to be a really good quarterback. He has a chance to win the job, in fact. I'm not counting him out. I'm just really high on Stroud. If you ask me to pick between them, I'm not trying to put down Jack Miller. I would just take Stroud because I like his ceiling and I think he's going to be 
a really good player for Ohio State. But the good news is, my opinion doesn't matter. Miller and Stroud are going to go out there two years from now and try to compete for the starting job. One of them's going to win it. It doesn't matter who I think is better or will be better. They'll prove it on the field. But I just think, ultimately, if you put a gun to my head, I'm taking C.J. Stroud four years from now as to who's going to be the better quarterback. But we'll see. I'm not trying to rule out Miller. I'm just saying I like Stroud a lot. But Stroud did commit to Ohio State on Wednesday. And he did... I I saw opposing fans do the thing that I really... It's one of my big pet peeves. And I hope I don't see it from Ohio State fans, although I know everybody does it. Or at least everybody has a segment of the fan base that does it. I saw some Georgia fans questioning why Stroud would go to Ohio State because of their lack of success at quarterback in the NFL. Now, don't get me wrong. I've always said the lack of success by Ohio State in the NFL at quarterback has been one of the biggest mysteries that I I just cannot explain. Really, Ohio State has not had a successful quarterback in the NFL since Mike Tomczak. That's going back a long time. I think Dwayne Haskins, by the way, is going to be successful in the NFL. And that leads me to another pet peeve of mine that I'm about to get into in a second. Because I see Georgia fans and other people saying, well, Haskins is terrible. He's a bust. It just goes to show that Ohio State's system is only for good college quarterbacking. And so why would you want to go there? Well, first of all, Ohio State's job is not to guarantee you have success in the NFL. Ohio State is to trying to develop you to get you a shot in the NFL. What you do with that shot is up to you. They're not looking to coach you and develop you to be the best NFL quarterback they can. They're looking to coach and develop you to have success in college and prepare you for the NFL. And right now, I think you're crazy if you're trying to argue that Ryan Day has not done that for his quarterbacks. Joe Burrow, before transferring and getting to LSU, was well-coached. And it helped him to have success at LSU. Dwayne Haskins put up 50, was it 54 touchdowns last year. It allowed him to become a first round NFL pick to get a shot to have success with Washington. Justin Fields was put in a position this year to have 40 touchdowns and one interception. And he will be the leader going into the Heisman trophy, uh, the Heisman race going in next year. Okay. So Justin Fields has a chance to be a first-round draft pick, just like Dwayne Haskins. It's inarguable right now that Ryan Day and probably Lincoln Riley are the two best offensive coaches in college football. Dabo's a really good coach. Nick Saban's a really good coach. But if you look at offensive success the last couple years, it's unquestionably Oklahoma and Ohio State. We'll see what LSU does. Joe Brady had a great season with Joe Burrow this year. We'll see if that continues when Burrow is gone. So for fans to look at this and say, well, Ohio State hasn't had success in the NFL. First of all, what happened prior to Ryan Day has nothing to do with the staff that will be developing these players coming forward to Ohio State. What Urban Meyer did, Jim Trestle, John Cooper, Earl Bruce, none of those guys have anything to do with these specific recruits. So let's get that out of the way right away. It doesn't matter what happened in the past at Ohio State. But I think these guys will get quarterbacks ready going forward. It's already been shown, Dwayne Haskins, how much and how quickly he improved. Justin Fields 
became an went from an afterthought at Georgia, a guy that they didn't trust to have him pass, fair or unfair, to a guy that just threw 40 touchdowns and one interception for Ohio State as a sophomore starter. That's impressive. Ryan Day will have, whether it's the winner out of uh, Miller or Strom or Kyle McCord in the future, one of these guys, if not many of them, are going to be a successful quarterback on the college level. Now, my other pet peeve having to do with Haskins, people saying, well, Haskins is a bust. First of all, he's coming off arguably his best game as a pro so far as a rookie against the Philadelphia Eagles, throwing for 260 yards, a couple touchdowns, no interceptions. Threw for, I think, nine yards per attempt. Really good game against the downtrodden Eagles. On the season, let's be honest, yes, he has struggled. We should also note, though, within his struggles, he has gone through a, already gone through a coaching change, gone from a coach that didn't want him to an interim coach. He's had one of the worst offensive lines in front of him in football this year. Should have been a good offensive line or a decent offensive line, but it hasn't been because of a holdout with their left tackle, injuries, and just being bad. So he has no line in front of him, a new coach on an interim basis, and he has no receivers around him except for a fellow rookie that he played ball with in college. So, and plus, oh yeah, by the way, he's got a 30-something running back that is well past his prime. So he has no playmakers around him except for a rookie. He has no offensive line in front of him. He had a coach that didn't want him, a new coach that's an interim coach. So everything you could imagine that you would not expose your rookie quarterback to, Dwayne Haskins is dealing with right now. Sure, he's only got 5.4 yards per attempt. He's not been very good. But few rookie quarterbacks are very good. That's the thing. I looked this up. I went back to 2000. And I looked at every single Pro Bowl quarterback that started within their first three seasons and wound up with at least 50 career starts. There were a total of 38 quarterbacks since 2000 to have done that. 21 of them started in their rookie season. Out of those 21, only three of them had an adjusted yards per attempt, which is basically just yards per attempt with touchdowns and interceptions factored in. You get a, a credit of 20 yards per touchdown, I think it is, and 40, minus 45 for every interception, okay? And so you do yards per attempt with those included. Every out of the 21 of them that started as a rookie in the NFL, only three of 21 had an adjusted yards per attempt that was equal to or greater than their career average. The average of that subset of player, which was seven yards per attempt on their career, averaged only 5.7 yards adjusted yards per attempt as a rookie. If you include guys that started in their first or second seasons as a pro, that becomes six out of 31. The average is 5.9 adjusted yards per attempt. So folks, I'm telling you, you cannot judge rookie quarterbacks in the NFL anywhere near being a complete final uh, a final product, okay? You just can't do it. 
you have to give them at least into, I think, to be fair, into their third or fourth seasons as, as a player, as an NFL quarterback, before you can truly judge them as the final product. So Dwayne Haskins, yes, it's true. He's only averaging 5.4 adjusted yards per attempt right now. He's not looked great. But given all the surroundings, what he has to work with, and then you look at the past history, Drew, B- Drew Brees was terrible his rookie year. Peyton Manning was terrible his rookie year. Steve Young was terrible his rookie year. Tom Brady did not really get it going for three or four years in his rookie year. Aaron Rodgers was actually mediocre his first year as a starter, and that wasn't until year four as a pro. Because remember, he was sitting behind Brett Favre for several seasons. It takes guys a long time to develop. Even now, when quarterbacks are more ready for the NFL than they've ever been in their lives, it still takes several seasons before they adjust to the speed of the game, to completely grasp the offense, the terminology, and for it to just click. Because I'm telling you, sitting there in the pocket when you've got 2.7 seconds to make a decision before a 280-pound beast is bearing down on you trying to wrestle you to the ground, sometimes it takes a year or so of starting before you really get the hang of that. So Dwayne Haskins, give him time as an NFL quarterback. And please, if you spot any fan of any team doing the thing where, well, they haven't had success at this position, snuff it right out, right right then and there. Get rid of that kind of line of thinking because that's rubbish. That's my, my pet peeve for the day. Help me police this because the internet would be a better place if we did not have this going on. I don't care what happened 20 years ago with Ohio State quarterbacks. I know what I see with my own two eyes right now. And after signing day 2019, early signing day 2019, going into 2020, I'll tell you what I see. I see a really, really good juggernaut. Keep it on, keep it on. Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, top three classes this year so far. Surprise, surprise, right? The only three teams that have won a title in the playoff era. That's going to continue. You might add in Oklahoma in that mix. But for the foreseeable future, by the way, Oregon, I'm really liking what they're doing out there in the West. They've got a really good defense being put together, a good offensive line. They've got a chance being really good too. But for the foreseeable future, it's Clemson, it's Ohio State, it's Alabama, maybe it's Oklahoma. Coming up, we'll talk some Ohio State basketball. We're getting ready for Las Vegas, the CBS Sports Classic. Buckeyes and Kentucky Wildcats coming up. Here's the bad news. It's Kentucky. They're talented. They're going to have more talent on the floor at any given time on Saturday than Ohio State. Here's the good news. The Buckeyes are the better basketball team than Kentucky at this moment in time. The thing is, Kentucky, despite oozing with talent like they so often do with Calipari, and this is actually, I think, one of their deeper teams they've had in a while and that they're balanced a lot like Ohio State. They have more guys coming off the bench than they have in the past when they've been relying on solely freshmen. They're deeper and they're a talented team. But here's the thing. This is one of the worst shooting teams in the country. They're ranked 312th right now in three-point shooting, shooting just 29%. What's crazier that really startled me is they're also one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the country. So when they miss, 
they're not getting a lot of their misses and putting them back up for points. So Ohio State has an interesting dynamic here and that they, they are the better shooting team. They are the better perimeter team. It's not that Kentucky lacks talent. Ashton Hagen's a really good point guard, but he's a little erratic. Tyrese Maxey the same way. I like Ohio State in this matchup. Kentucky, they had that season opening win against Michigan State. Since then, they've lost Evansville. They've been played close by UAB. They struggled most recently with Georgia Tech for a little while. It's not your... Uh, it's not one of your typical John Calipari coach teams here. This is a, a very vulnerable Kentucky team. They are going out, which I really like this on Kentucky's part. They actually arrived out in Vegas. They're already there. They played Wednesday night, and as I'm recording this, they ha- the game hasn't tipped off yet, but they're playing Utah in Las Vegas, and they'll stay out there for a couple days. That game, by the way, Ohio State-Kentucky will be the second end of the doubleheader. The CBS Sports Classic, the first game will be North Carolina and uh, UCLA. That'll be a two o'clock tip Eastern time. And then, or I, I'm sorry, a three o'clock tip Eastern time, or maybe it's one I believe it's one I'll get it straight. I promise one tip Eastern time. And then Kentucky and Ohio state will be a five fifteen Eastern time tip. So you've got the CBS sports classic should be a lot of fun. Two really good games. Although Carolina without Cole Anthony and UCLA, that's kind of a, uh, a battle of mediocrity right there. But Ohio State, Kentucky, number five versus number six in the AP poll should be a really good game. I'm looking forward to this for Ohio State. The key for Ohio State, and by the way, Dwayne Washington, I believe, is a game-time decision with that rib injury. They still don't know if he's going to be ready to play or not. Clearly, we saw the Ohio State up there in Minneapolis needed Dwayne Washington on the floor. I, I never thought I would hear myself say this this year, especially early on, but Dwayne Washington is a critical component of the Ohio State offense right now. It's not that he wasn't talented, but he was so erratic and so inconsistent shooting the ball and making decisions. I didn't think they would be at the point where they needed him this much. And I'm not saying that they can't be a good team without him. And they can't win this game without him. But man, he really, his shooting, that 50% from three-point range, really makes this team so much better. The ball movement, the side, both side to side and inside and out, it, it's just so much more crisp offense when he's on the floor and they space a lot better with him out there. So if Ohio State can get Washington to play, that's a really big lift. But if not, they still can win this game. I thought after they shook, shook the rust off a little bit early the other day against Southeast Missouri State, they played really, really well. Obviously the second half, they went on a huge run, wound up getting by, getting up by almost 40 points at one point, um, and then winding up winning by a little bit over the spread. The spread was 29. They won by, I think, 30, 32 points. So Ohio State, I think, has a better team than Kentucky right now. Kentucky's the more talented team, but the Wildcats have not gotten it put, put together to this point in the year. So Ohio State, if they can do what they've done on the boards and make a, even a season average number of shots— I think the Buckeyes will come away with this. Again, that's a 5-15 tip on CBS. It's the CBS Sports Classic, Kentucky, Ohio State, number five versus number six from Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena this Saturday. That's going to do it for us. Reminder, if you have not yet done so, put your vote in. Get get over to Twitter at KYLAM8. Get over to my Twitter and get your vote in for your top three Ohio State wins of the last 25 years. This is going to be your last chance to do it. I'm going to cut off voting sometime Thursday evening. 
So tweet at me. Find the tweet if you can. Otherwise, just tweet at me and tweet uh, top five, uh, T-O-P-F-I-V-E, and make sure you order them, one, two, and three. Your top three, your top three Ohio State wins of the top last 25 years, I'll take the top five based on a point system with all the votes included. So make sure you do that before Thursday evening. Get your top three Ohio State wins of the last 25 years. Locked on Buckeyes podcast, your only daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast with the exception of yesterday. Again, apologies for that. Find us on your favorite platform, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Catch me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Catch the show on Twitter at Locked on Buckeye. Thanks for giving us a listen. We'll be back on Friday. Have a great day.